Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for your collection of the American-released Beatles albums. Why did they have to shave tracks off the originals, huh? That'd be like instead of reading the rest of the sentence, I just... You got a record of your favorite songs You got an hour and it won't take long You got a pair of brand new friends You got a ticket gonna skip to the end I said, now hear this Now hear this Now hear this Show right now. I'm a gonna raise a fuss, I'm a gonna raise a holler. About a working all summer just to try to earn a dollar. Every time I call my baby, try to get a date. No dice, son, you gotta work late Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do But there ain't no cure for the summertime I met a girl crazy for me Yes, Ryan. What is this? What are what's going on? Oh, we got a summer jam. It's a summer jam. Hot time, summer in the city. Ba, ba, ba. Oh, I should have picked one of those songs. Oh, that's what, so much better. <laughs> Jesus. I love the third Die Hard film. Samuel L. Wait, is it Samuel L. Jackson or is it Sam L. Jackson? <laughs> are you asking me if he pronounces it Samuel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You always have all the answers. <laughs> the L stands for linguistics. He's a frightening man. I just watched his master class, and my goodness, is he an angry man. But he's a great actor, I'll tell you that. Is the class in going to fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Every other word, he's just like, try that motherfucking take again, you know, all of that stuff. That was good. 
So our wives are back on the show. <laughs> Mine <laughs> is not happy with me. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Are Everything's you? Fine. Everything's we- fine. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to welcome back to the show my wife, Susanna Roundtree. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's nice to see you all again. And Annabelle Jones Brady. Hello. Nice to see you again. Mm. Nice to hear you again. I like mm-hmm. this clapping thing. We got to keep this going for regular episodes, Ryan, not these fancy <laughs> ones. I feel like the class is raised, like the bar is raised uh, like higher with you two on the show, and it's actually kind of stressing me out. Much higher. I mean, you know how much I burp, so I'm not quite sure where you're coming from. Well, that's that's true. Definitely, it's not as much as me. I can guarantee you that <laughs> with certainty. What the what burping's yes. gonna happen? Burping from you on the episode. I can't promise it won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when last we saw or heard Annabelle and Susanna on the show, it was Christmas time, and Ooh. it feels like a million years ago. How <laughs> so much has changed in terms of culture shifts? <laughs> several oh, that decades was a simpler have time, yeah. Oh, 2019. Mm. We thought it was bad then. Yeah. The shit's got real fucked up didn't, since then. Yeah, Man, didn't realize. It's, it's weird how things have just gotten progressively worse every month or so since January of 2017, and not just progressively worse, but exponentially. <laughs> Worse with every progression. Yeah. Those murder hornets, though, that was bullshit. <laughs> that was bullshit. That actually sent me over the edge. What, the, that they were fake or that no, when there I s- were them? Yeah, when I saw that headline. Well, we were sitting at the kitchen table and I just started crying when I read it. Yeah. Because I was like, I just can't handle this. And he said to me, if this is going to be a full cry, can you go in the other room? <laughs> Oh, Ryan, you got to save that shit for the show. That's funny. (laughs) Which I thought was fair because, I mean, given everything at the time, it was... But the argument with that was you're putting every... So everything would be fine and then she'd read the news and then everything would not be fine. Yeah. And I'm like, do you see the pattern here? Yeah. And the murder hornets, they weren't even real. They weren't even real. There was never even an active hive. Those basically were just all (laughs) crocodile tears. There was a dead one on one (laughs) ship one time. There was an article not long after that about sex-crazed zombie cicadas as well, and I remember thinking, we're, we're reaching now, you know? Like, it's, I feel like we're back in that place, you know, when 2016 happened and we were all blaming the year for everything. We're like, 2016 killed Princess Leia, and we thought that that was horrible. But then, but then like, 2020 comes along, and then suddenly all these bad things are happening. And so we gotta, I feel like as humans, we're storytellers. We have to exaggerate. We have to make it seem uh, uh, even somehow crazier when, it, when there was just no need, you know, no need. I think uh, that's a really nice way of looking at it. I'm much more cynical. And I just think the media just loves to whip us up into a frenzy what that at too? every yeah. given chance. Because every day. Want to hear some good news? Yes, please. So apparently South Korea has been handling the COVID crisis so well. I don't know if you guys have seen on like social media or Reddit or anything, but um, the government is bringing a week's worth of food supplies to people's houses every week so that they don't have to leave. And they have things under control so well that they've been able to reopen musical theater performances. And there is, I think it was Phantom 
that I heard, but Phantom is running in South Korea that people can go see. Wow. wow. That's great. I'm glad they've done it so well. I'm so glad that's exactly what's going on here. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wait, I, sorry. No, the opposite <laughs> of with that. I'm glad that in England, Boris Johnson's talking about opening up the live venues again uh, oh in August. Um, and how people shouldn't have to wear masks when they shop. I mean, why should they? Because that's, that's not American. That's against my rights as an American. That fucker <laughs> had COVID. What's he talking about? <laughs> I know. He's just, he's like very cucked by Donald Trump. So he'll just go along yeah. with with whatever Donald Trump is doing. We need that trade deal, baby. We're out of Europe now. We haven't got a lot of options left. It's yeah. a real Tony Blair Bush situation, except I feel like Absolutely. Tony Blair had a lot of class. I mean... Or it's a Margaret and Ronnie situation, too. A Margaret and Ronnie. Mm-hmm. That's a good... That's a, much more accurate. The eight-year-long 80s sitcom, Margaret and Ronnie. I was going to say, it sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> Margaret and Ronnie. There's just a lot of jelly beans and arms deals with Iran. I want to say that Spitting Image actually did a bunch of sketches about that that might have made it look a bit like a sitcom. Yeah. Boy, that dates me. Man. Well, speaking of dated, <laughs> we're the last... <laughs> I'm, I'm segueing. Save it, Paul. Come on. Please, please, please join me on the segue. We last brought uh, you lovely women on the show to talk about Christmas, and now we're going to talk about a different season or date of time. That's my segue. Enjoy. Uh, we're going to be talking about summer jams on the show mm-hmm. today. We're talking about barbecues, uh, cooked Meats on barbecues. Cooked meats. Ketchup. Ketchup. Peanut coleslaw. Slip and slides. Ooh, fireworks. Corn on the hob. (laughs) Your dad yelling at your mom about something for some reason you don't understand because you're a kid. (laughs) Being trapped inside with no social outlet except for your parents. Yeah. Well, yeah. so, summer's different this year. Quarantine has, <laughs> has made summer a little a little more challenging. But we're trying to get everybody still in the summer mood because you know summer. I mean, I think I've I've seen this pointed out on the interweb lately that the summer is actually horrible. The summer's terrible. No one likes actually likes the season of summer. But I think what we're all remembering is it was our first big break as kids, mm. and we yeah. we had our, our very own vacation, freedom. The weather's not shit if you lived on the East Coast or, or in some place where the weather is normally freezing cold. So summer really is kind of a state of mind. You wrap yourself up in it. It's a nice warm blanket. And there's a lot of songs that go along with summer. Yeah. Wait, hang on a second. Did you just talk about summer music as being a nice warm blanket to wrap yourself up in? <sighs> well, all right. Let in me, the heat uh, of summer, there's nothing yeah, I like a, more that was than a, a crap hot analogy. It is blanket. real bad. How about like a, real, a nice cool shower? It's a cool it's like shower. A dipping into a icy pool on a hot day. Oh, cracking oh, into better. an ice cold Coca Cola. Getting a popsicle. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, all those things are good at summer. Mm. Well, those are better analogies. Pineapple. Summer is actually shit, though. It is terrible. It's too hot. <laughs> it's way too hot. I mean, it's specifically bad here in Los Angeles. Summer in Los Angeles has always been bad. I don't know about it's you. It's awful. It's too hot. The pollution's out of control. Yeah. Everyone always says to me, oh, do you love living in LA? You love the weather? No, it's absolutely <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, it's boiling like, hot. In most of the years that we've lived here, I've not left the house between the hours of 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., starting in April and ending in October. Yeah. 
Susanna keeps reverse vampire hours. Oh, no, that would just be regular vampire hours. Reg- regular vampiring hours, yeah. 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 I used to love the heat when I was a child, but now in my old age, I sort of seize up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, I think when Ryan and I were talking about doing this episode, I knew I had a few songs in mind, because I don't know about you, but when I think of summer, songs tend to pop up early in my memory recollection of summers. You, you tend to attach them to certain stages of your life and these certain magical summers. I think McCartney sings about that magical summer all the time, but I don't know. I had a one or two magical summers myself growing up, oh, yeah. and I usually attached some kind of uh, song to it, and it becomes a soundtrack, and now whenever... I hear that song. I'm transported back. It's really part of the magic of music is uh, being able to take you back there. So I thought it would be fun, Ryan and I discussed it'd be fun if we all picked three of our favorite summer songs or songs that in some way either encapsulate the season or a particular summer in our lives or something along those lines to really give you all a nice summer playlist for this summer episode of our summer show. I couldn't have said that better myself. (laughs) So uh, my first question is, when is summer? When do you think summer? Because I always think summer starts on Memorial Day, but that's not true. It's the, the, the solstice starts, what, the tw- June 20th? 27th. It's a month later. Yeah, yeah, tw- yeah, it's like June to September. And September doesn't feel like summer. September you think mm-hmm. is fall, you know? Yeah. So that led me to, I'm going to insert a section here where I, I'm very famous in some of these, and by very famous, I mean not. But I read a lot of lists on the podcast I'm on for some reason. Yeah. So do you all want to hear the holidays that occur? The, the, the actual, these are actual holidays in the United States during the summer. Yes, please. Please, please right. thank you. Please. What is this? supposed to make a list. We got a real opportunity here. All right, ready? <laughs> <laughs> There's two before the, the solstice, which I, as I said, was June 20th. So May 25th is Memorial Day, as you know, standard holiday. May the 28th, National Sunscreen Day. Wow. Block it. Got a sunblock it. Block it a up. A whole day to, mem- <laughs> to celebrate sunscreen. Hey, what's your favorite SPF? I like like a 30. Whoa. Maybe a 50. What are you living on the edge over there? Jesus, pile on some 70. What's the matter with you? This is LA. They don't work over a certain number, I thought. I thought it was all hype. I thought only 25 is the only one that they're like, yep, this definitely works. I wear 557 SPF. (laughs) And and let me tell you, it's thick. (laughs) Super thick. It's thick. Paul's wearing a bag. (laughs) It's just a a garbage bag. (laughs) Poke some holes in that bag for Paul. We need him. Pretend it's one of my analogies and just poke a bunch of holes. So June 20th, the solstice, then uh, June 29th, not technically a holiday, but it is celebrated as such. Wimbledon occurs in the United Kingdom. Wimble, Wimbledon. Wimble, I thought it's Wimbledon. It's Where's a the D. Tea? Where's it's, the tea? It's in my mind. Okay. The tea is in your <laughs> cup right there. Wimbledon. Oh, I've got some tea for you all Wimbledon. Later in the show, let me tell you. All right, so July... All of July is National Ice Cream Month. Naturally. Did you know that? I feel like somebody on the news told me at one point. National Marketing Movement Month. Mm -hmm. No. July 1st through the 7th, 
clean beaches week. Wait, wasn't June also Pride Month? Or is that not yes. an official national holiday? Ryan? <laughs> Ryan? It's in it's it's not on my list, but it was in my the list in my heart what about and it June should teeth? be Well, that is not on my list, but but it needs to be Ooh, now. You really fucked this one up, didn't you? <laughs> oh, two strikes. A lot of erasure going on in Two strikes. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, Juneteenth, all the... What are the other ones that I miss? National I don't know. Keep going. Day. I'll find them. Yeah, just find those ones that I miss. <laughs> this, this, this is not how I thought this was going to go. You thought we were going to be impressed, didn't you? <laughs> no, I, I just thought we were going to like laugh about this stuff. I didn't know I was going to get dragged on a podcast. On your own podcast at that. July 3rd, National Stay Out of the Sunday. Wow. Okay. Was this before or after National Sunscreen day after okay for those who've forgotten sunscreen day what's the marketing behind that like who like what company was it that pushed that day because we all know who made sunscreen day i would love to know cdc Mm -hmm. Mm. that's not true i've just made that up she's got to get paid (laughs) independence day july 4th you know Mm. that one it's about america keep my thoughts to myself on that Followed by, I didn't know this, July 5th is National Bikini Day in the U.S. <laughs> Good God. Ryan, I love this. Followed by. Followed by July 14th, National Nude Day. Whoa. Real holiday. Wow. Now, this is a week that I can actually get behind. Is there a banana hammock day? That is literally the next holiday. You're kidding. National Hammock Day, July, uh, July 22nd. <laughs> Followed by National Hot Dog Day. Hey. Oh, there's more. Yeah, there's a few more. <laughs> August 16th is National Roller Coaster Day. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, I'll take a roller coaster. That's not bad. Followed by August 26th is National Dog Day. Mm. It's not a hot dog. And now, it's a regular now, dog. Now, so in, in after after the, the, the clock strikes 12 on that day, it is all day a dog, dog day afternoon. Huh? It, can we get some some claps or uh, crickets? Anything? Nope. Then I mean Labor Day and fall. Right. Fall starts on the twenty second. But then, did you know that October fifth now is a is a actually holiday? It's Amazon Prime Day. <laughs> oh, Jesus oh God! <laughs> you guys have just absolutely got to get better things to care about. Because none of this stuff matters. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, it's just Amazon Prime Day Eve. So how do you get a holiday? Do you just have lobbyists who like pay yeah. to petition I mean, to have yeah. a holiday? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving started as one of those and like Mother's Day and Father's Day started as those, I think. I mean, I'm a little loose on that part of history, but I remember listening to history podcasts about all of those at some point. Obviously, it didn't stick. A lot of it is is about what you can sell. It's it's, it's all free market holidays. Wasn't it Eleanor Roosevelt that was pushing for Thanksgiving? I may be conflating her with somebody else. Mm. Anyway. I don't know. Everybody write have, in and tell us. <laughs> you guys have mugged yourself off with Thanksgiving because what you've done is you've put two family holidays very close to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, why depression rates are skyrocketing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also on Christmas, I've noticed in America, it's not such a big deal. It's more Thanksgiving as the day with like the yeah. turkey and the potatoes and everything. Yeah. And then on Christmas, you guys get sort of like Chinese food and stuff. And you get sandwiches, don't you, at your house? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, which is, as an English person, very confusing. I mean, I we never did that. I know people who did. My family always had the, the second big feast. 
Um, oh, okay. You yeah. do a feast. We do, my family did too, and, and us together, we do that. And That's nice. Yeah, try to do like traditional foods. And it, for us, it, it, like I don't know how much I can speak for Paul, but I think for us a lot of it is about like nostalgia foods and nostalgia experiences from our mm. childhood uh, Christmases. But yeah. I mean. Wait, this is, this is a summer podcast. Yeah. I'm talking about Christmas again. We're looping it back into that. Oh, it's okay. called a callback. Hey, you know, ready? what about summer in America I can't stand is the uh, competitive eating competitions. Like the how many hot dogs you can eat in a minute thing. Can't stand those. I feel like it's we always- need, need to stop filming those. Like if we're just encouraging them. <laughs> like we just if we stop filming, they're not going to keep doing it, right? Yes, they will. It's always the littlest person. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys like I've been training, I've been eating, you know, I ate fifty hot dogs every day for the last six months. You're like, oh my God. Hey, there's whole swaths of your own country that are in food deserts and kids who can't get enough to eat, but here, fifty hot dogs go. You know? And don't don't vomit at the end. Yeah. It's not the how you have to win is by not vomiting. Yeah, you're not allowed to barf. I really don't understand this country. <laughs> I really the longer I'm here, the more confused I feel. <laughs> You and me both. We have a lot of great tunes coming up on this show. Um, Thanks to all the listeners we just lost. Pride Month is important. Juneteenth is very important. I was probably looking at an old list. Yeah. Well, look, we've got a lot of great uh, summer holidays. Uh, Look, Mm. holidays are a time for nostalgia. And so much (laughs) like Christmas, I think that's a perfect comparison. These are both nostalgic times. We're all thinking back to these summers we've had in our lives same with prior christmases and things and yeah i don't know so we uh ryan do you have any other lists that you want to read before we jump into the tunes here oh you're not doing your bullets (gasps) good morning i'm gonna be your instructor okay i know you're anxious to jump right in Welcome to Paul's Bullet Corner. I have two summer bullets. They're not very good. I didn't like them very much, but these are my two summer bullets where I'm going to try and summarize the season with uh, some sort of sentence. And my first summer bullet is a moment trapped between the orange and the purple of sunset. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, My second bullet, mosquitoes and car radios and the open road and cool night air and love and corn and grills. That's nice. That's it. That's all I got. Those are Paul's bullets. I wrote two. Oh, you wrote bullets. I wrote two bullets, but I have minor just like bad lyrics to a bus. They're just bad lyrics. All right. Hit me. Code Red Mountain Dew. It's 90 today. When will this hangover go away? Oh. <laughs> Annabelle's not happy with me right now. And this is just in regards to the songs you're talking about. Definitely imagined performing this song as the new indie darling at some old man's tribute show. Well, that didn't work out. Death won't be long. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to try to do bullets when I think of them. You should. Anyway. I like that. I've, I've been feeling naked amongst the bullets, Ryan. You got to come out and join me. I put this playlist on when we were talking about this and I was on a run. And I was just 
those just came to me. I had to stop in the middle of the run and write them down. I'm like, oh, this is going to be funny. But I can see <laughs> from Annabelle's face. There's levels I, in your expressions, Annabelle. When your eyes shut, that is as if you are hitting the hard restart on the conversation. <laughs> trying to restart the day. <laughs> yeah, there's an eye roll and then just the cl- the long close. Yeah, control, alt, delete. <laughs> yeah, just take a breath. This is why uh, Suzanne and I are d- recording this in separate rooms. That's for the safety of our marriage, I think. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Should we jump in then? Yes, we should. You're up first, Ryan. Oh, man. Oh, beans. The New Radicals, You Always Get What You Give. Hey. Great song. Love I it. I love uh, that song. Love really it. good song, right? Really, really good. So this track was released in 1998, and I mean, for those of you that were alive then, I think this was everywhere. It's on the radio. There's that great music video where Alexander, that's the guy, Greg Alexander's the name of the guy who wrote it. They're rolling through this mall, hijacking scooters, I think they're called Lamberettas, and doing a big mosh in the food court. And he's got that hat on. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, bucket hat. So uh, do you guys know anything about this guy? No. No. So he did two albums before this. They were on different record companies. And I guess he put everything behind these records. They did the tour. They did the big push. And he finally, you know, he caught it on this one. But in the middle of doing the of touring and having this big hit, he was just exhausted. He's like, I love, you know, I love performing, but I miss writing and recording songs every day. And he just hated dealing with the radio guys and the people in the retail stores and doing promo over and over and over. So he wore that hat so people wouldn't see his disdain for everything going on (laughs) around him. I love that. And I'm going to say this is 10 years ago in New York, and I was at Atlantic, where this guy... So now he has a big career as a songwriter. And he's a session guy, songwriter. One of the songs he did... Remember that Santana album... Not the one with Rob Thomas, but the one, there was another, there was a follow, there was like a sequel to that where it's songwriters and singers and then Santana doing all that guitar solo stuff. It was um, Michelle Branch oh, had yeah. a song. I just can't think of it now. Making my way downtown, walking I thought that was Vanessa Carlton. Um, oh, yeah. Because you're everywhere Yeah, I liked her. She had that one really good song. Is please tell me why I'm out now no more. I'm trying to go. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he wrote that song. Okay. Hmm. And so he's been doing, so he, like, he made the rounds at Atlantic. And I remember talking to a guy in radio who's hmm. like, oh, that guy's nuts. That is a crazy person. And we're like, wait, what did he do? I guess in the middle of one of these tours, he wrote this. I don't know what you would call it, hate letter to the music business about how radio people and label people and 
retail people, all promo people were fake and a bunch of jerks. And he faxed it to every radio station. I love that. And then he was done. <laughs> it was a wrap. That is biting the hand that feeds you. That is, yeah. that's suicide. That's career suicide. It's rock and roll as fuck. Oh, so you like that? Yeah, I like that. He yeah. does it in this. He calls out yeah, at the end. Something, something, Beck and Hanson. I, I have the verse. He yeah. says, health insurance, ripoff lying, FDA, big bankers buying, fake computer crashes, dining, cloning while they're multiplying, fashion shoots with Beck and Hanson, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson. You're all fakes, fakes run, run to, to your, your mansions. mansions. Come around. Come we'll around. We'll kick, kick your, your asses. asses. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> so I remember this one. The first time I saw, I heard this song was on TRL. It wasn't on the countdown itself. It was a TRL wannabe, which TRL enthusiasts will recall were the songs that couldn't quite make it to the top 10. And I remember the face of, what is that guy's name? Dave something? Not Carson. The other one. Uh... Susanna, he has a show on Max Fun. The he older does, guy? He does International Waters on Max Fun. I forget oh, his name. Um, or the bald guy? The completely bald no, guy? No, he was like sort of heavy set, kind of a big, sort of a big Heavy set? Yeah, he wasn't like fat. He was just sort of stout. Uh, big boned. <laughs> anyway, I remember the look on his face just like, oh, well, he's, he's calling these guys out. Like he's, he looked visibly like he's scared for his own safety on behalf of the new radicals <laughs> for calling these guys out. That was what I first recalled. So... I guess even in that innocuous way, the guy still came across as very combative. It's in the name. Right. Mm. The New Radicals. Yeah. You know, I was kind of surprised to hear that this was a 90s song. I have no association of it with, like, my late 90s time at all, even though, like, at the very end of the 90s, I was in the U.S. But I, I really associate it when I was in college in the mid-2000s. I, like... And I associate it with listening to it right before and after Modest Mouse songs. You know, like I, for me, the era that it takes me back to is not the 90s. It's got a proto-indie rock flavor to it, actually. Yeah, so I could see that, how it would survive up until the following decade. For me, I just, I have that memory of it being on TRL, so it's forever stapled to the 90s for me. But I could see that. I mean, there's a lot of sound in this that would carry over into the next decade, so. Yeah, definitely. It was on the radio constantly throughout yeah. the early 2000s mm. yeah some great lyrics in this one i mean the, that opening line wake up kids you got the dreamer's disease that's really nice the dreamer's disease the whole song's great it's it's yeah. a real feel-good song and the press at the time were talking about how it was a blossom in a sea or a garden of mick music like you know pre-packaged hits i think of the music at the time mm-hmm. aside from this it was insane backstreet boys yeah you had that type of boy band or girl pop but then it was also would it be new rock would it be called new rock now or like new metal well new like metal was creed coming and stuff yeah things like creed corn <laughs> limp biscuit <laughs> slipknot slipknot papa roach oh loved papa roach but that's all around this time Alien Ant Farm. Oh, wow. I forgot about them. Love them. Foo Fighters scoring their first hits around this time, too. So that's like proto-indie stuff as well. So from a lot of the research and reading I've done, I have uh, I don't want to read another list, but I'm going to. This song, they say, because of the success it had, opened the door up for a bunch of these groups. Fastball, Semisonic, Fountains of Wayne, mm. even Ben Folds, probably. Yeah. He can thank... Alexander for his career. This sounds kind of like a Ben Folds song now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. 
Yeah. I remember Marcy's Playground Sex and Candy. That's right. Or Chumbawamba's Tub Thumbing. It's all in the same vein. I love Tub of, Thumbing. Of like vintage, throw, it's almost Drinking 70s. in L.A. Harvey Danger's Flagpole Sitter. Still my sunshine. Oh, Len. Mm. Oh. Len. Oh, I love Steal My Sunshine. <laughs> it's so silly, but I love it. So Marilyn Manson did actually respond. <laughs> and it's what he had to say. <laughs> There's a lo- much longer quote that you can look up. But he says, I'm not mad that he said he'd kick my ass. I just don't want to be using the same sentence with Courtney Love. What? You know, but... I'll crack his skull open if I see him. <laughs> Where is that controversy in rock and roll today? I know. Everyone's so tepid now. I kind of love Marilyn Manson. A lot. He's one of my most used gifts on my phone. Yeah. Marilyn Manson. There's really a Manson gift for every Is there occasion. really? Yeah. My most used one is him covered in blood and spit, dragging a bedraggled... American flag. That's very appropriate for this uh, <laughs> this year. It's for right now. It's my answer to yeah. everything. He's great. Disgusting. Sexy. Sexist. I once heard someone say he was our David Bowie. the David Bowie oh, of that no. era. No. God's no. sake. You Who disagree? Give me their I, I address. Do. I just want to talk. I don't want to put it out there like that. <laughs> I'll tell you after. I think we can all agree Janelle Monáe is our David Bowie. Yes. Um... Wait, was that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fine. Annie Clark. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, One Dance Left. Uh, you've got a reason to live that little line there. That's a very teenage thought. That it, it, There's like a bit of hope about that. I love the, the idea that, you know, even if you've been a loser the whole dance, haven't danced with anyone, haven't done anything, haven't made any move, if there's one more song, you still have a chance to turn it around. And that's what I find perennial about this song is that those ideas are never going to go away. That teenage attitude is never going to disappear. And so there's something kind of um, something that transcends time, even though I think that this song definitely feels dated, at least to a degree. There is a timeless nature to some of the hope in the lyrics. Yeah, definitely. I think the lyrics are poetry, honestly. You got the music in you? Yeah. Mm. When I would hear that lyric as a kid, don't give up, you got the music in you, I would just got a lot of emotional feelings yeah um and i'd be like yeah i got this i can do anything and then by the end you're like all roused and ready to fight like he is i really liked it yeah still do it's a forever song it's perennial like you said yeah it's it goes on any feel-good list at any time i think i mean the music too all the oh paul Rusty Anderson from McCartney's band is playing the electric guitar on the track. Are you, you, fu- you shut up. Seriously. <laughs> shut up. And then what did you say? He's Paul McCartney's. Yeah, he's, well, he knows who, Paul knows who Rusty Anderson is. Rusty Anderson has been playing guitar for Paul McCartney longer than the Beatles, Wings, and any other permutation combined. He's been his guy since 2000 and, no, yeah, 2001. You always have to bring him into it, don't you? I didn't even try this. I didn't try it this time. I'm just reading the personnel. I'm so Rusty excited. Rusty Anderson, lead guitar. And then you look at this guy. He's, oh, like he's kind of sexy. He's like the oldest teenager alive, <laughs> Rusty Anderson. So okay, I have a Rusty story. Rusty I, Anderson. Rusty Anderson. I was working at a, uh, a Halloween store in Manhattan. The celebrities used to shop there. Paul's band rolled through town and Rusty came into the shop 
Wow. The day of that Paul was playing Madison Square Garden, which I was going to see that show that night. And so I, I had a slight rusty encounter. Rustic, you might say. A rustic, rusty encounter. A, a rusty. Spiric. I tried to get it. I couldn't do it. I tried to sell him a trombone. Rustic is better than rusty. And I don't think anyone wants a rusty experience. <laughs> From there, we will move on to uh, song number two here. Let's keep the train rolling. We got Paper Planes by M.I.A. We've already played this song in every episode. We've played this song in almost every episode. That's right. It is part of the Paul's Bullet Corner theme. So, you know, before we get into why I chose this song, just a quick background. Mathanji Maya Arulpagasam was born in 1975. Uh, she was born to Sri Lankan immigrants in England. So she's English. She English born. I found out that she's an MBE. I had no idea when doing this research. It was awesome. Wait, what? Yeah. That seems like against her like brand to accept that. Uh, and her father was a political activist. He was part of this uh, Sri Lankan political movement at the time. And the the song, you know, she gained prominence as a rapper. So she's a rapper and she gained prominence in the middle of the 2000s. And this song was actually on her first major label album, which is called Kala. And I found this interesting. It still stands as XL Recordings' second best-selling song by an English artist in the digital era, which I thought was cool. And this album was released in 2006, but this song didn't really pick up steam until the following year. And then again in 2008 when it was used in the Pineapple Express trailer. And a lot of people remember this song from that movie, Pineapple Express. But I remembered it at the time, hearing it in 2007. And I don't know about y'all, but this song was really, really big at the Mm. time. And I played this a lot. This was in heavy rotation for me. I was, you know, the summer of 2007, I was a fresh college graduate, I was back in my hometown before getting hired into the industry that would become my career and enjoying the summer nights. And this song was the soundtrack to so many of those summer nights. I think of this song, I am right back in my 95 Saturn on Route 1 in Kendall Park, New Jersey, just feeling like the king of the world. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've had those summers where, you know, because I, I grew up not very, uh, not a terribly popular kid, certainly not. But, you know, when I got a little bit older... I, ha- I got a little more confidence, and at the time, there was a couple summers there where I felt like, yeah, I can do it. That was one of those, and uh, so this is forever forever linked to that for me. I love this song. I, it takes me right back to that summer. Kind of unfortunate that she turned out to be an anti-vaxxer. Um, is that, I didn't know that. And I was Did really you know close to omitting this for that reason, but then I decided to just be honest and say, well, I really like this song, and it's her political views are unfortunate, but here we are. Well, I know this song from... The Pineapple Express <laughs> trailer, the movie trailer. Yeah. Sorry. I'm pretty sure that's what broke the song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it, the second time, there was two sort of waves. There was like 2007, she started to pick up steam. It was released as a single, and that was like the first time people had started to hear it. And then Pineapple Express really sent it into orbit. So it was big in England the first time. We Pineapple Express probably helped, but had mm. been pretty, she was massive in the UK. Not like Britney massive, but like yeah, England massive. 
Which I mean, th- I think that's pretty. I mean, England massive is is pretty big still. You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just have such a like. You can be f- super famous in England and no one else knows you anywhere else but you're like a legend in the uk i think Mm. that's kind of like kind of her vibe she got really famous here didn't she and then she what did she do something on the super bowl and everyone got the next senator who was she guessing on was she guessing on the um katy perry i think it was madonna no yeah maybe let's see what she do she like gave the middle finger to the camera (laughs) i don't remember (laughs) she she flipped the bird Oh, horrors. Say it ain't so. <laughs> yeah. She looked amazing on that performance. She's got wonderful yeah. wonderful style. Her, yeah. her musical style is, is wonderful, too. It's like this mix of apathetic indie sound with, like, gangster rap almost, like a, a, like Nirvana and B.I.G. sort of smashed together. And I feel like she is equal parts, like, she doesn't care about what she's saying and then also cares deeply about what she's saying (laughs) because in this song she's just talking about how she wants to kill you and take all of your money and you get it sort of a wink and a nod sort of tongue-in-cheek and then but you're like "Mm, she might actually do it she (laughs) might actually she might actually shoot me i feel like everybody's got an mia song in their back pocket you know like it's bad girls yeah me too oh what a bop and that video Good God, it's great. Uh, there's Born Free, where she uh, murders a bunch of gingers. Like uh, She uses it as a political statement where uh, she's chosen people with red hair as being uh, murdered and persecuted and all this stuff. And It's extremely huh. graphic. Uh, there's a great song I was really close to picking for this list called Mango Pickle, which is mm. she, she brought That's a, a lot of Australian school children on to rap about their hopes and dreams and shit. And then she raps about the dancing juku juku with the cuckoo bird and stuff it's a fantastic song that that record kala is fantastic and, and her, the one after that was great too i forget the, the name escapes me but that was great too but yeah this is it's a pretty badass tune pretty badass record what's your favorite lyric from it sticks and stones and weed and bones is pretty good nice i got more records than the kgb that's <laughs> 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 pretty good too so good so so good She's very, very, very brilliant lyricist, I think. Very provocative. Yeah, fantastic. So is the point of the chorus that she's killing the guy or the girl and then taking their money? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay, just making sure. (laughs) I didn't know if there were more interpretations of that that I wasn't aware of. I mean, I think she's just saying that she's like a hustler and she's on her grind and she's going to get her money and do what she needs to do. So it's not literally... I mean, I think it's up. It's like subjective. You can be like, oh, yeah, it's going to shoot me and take my money. Or it's more of like a metaphor of like, I will push you out the way and tread on you to survive because the streets are mean. Mm. I want to make that cash money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's probably that one. It's probably that one. <laughs> I'm going to assume that it's that one. <laughs> well, I guess we could move on here to uh, to the third track. Susanna, do you want to intro this one? This one's one of yours. Yeah. Uh, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke with T.I. And Pharrell. And Pharrell, yes. If you can't read from the same page, maybe I'm going 
the new Radicals, I had thought it was from a different era than it was. This song, before I started researching it, I could have placed it up to five years earlier than it was, but it was released in 2013. Incredibly catchy. The lyrics and the controversy with the lyrics aside, it, it's just a really, really good song. It's really fun to listen to and it makes you feel good. Or at least it makes me feel good. But um, what I remember a lot about this song at the time was how many, many parody music videos we got out of it. And how the parody music videos were part of why the song was fun. I couldn't find any of my old favorites back from, like, 2013, but there were a lot of really good ones. A lot of, like, feminist and drag and queer music videos restating the message of the original song, which was kind of famously date rapey and a little bit misogynistic. And it's interesting to note that at the time, Pharrell, who co-wrote it, specifically said that it wasn't a sexist song. And then last year, in October of 2019, six years later, took that back and apologized and said that he understood now why the song was problematic. But the song also, like, I remember a lot about culturally how the song and how Robin Thicke were in the headlines. I don't remember having heard a hit from him before this, and I don't remember hearing one after. And the general vibe that I got was that he was not ready for the level of fame that he got because of this song. He admitted to sampling Marvin Gaye music into this song without ever having made a deal on that. So Gaye's family in the state took him to court and they rightfully won. His 22 plus year relationship with his wife, who he'd been together with since they were teenagers, dissolved and ended in divorce. Sort of famously because of photos of him where he was caught holding somebody's butt cheek and you could see because he was standing in front of a mirror in a photo. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't the only reason, but probably didn't help. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But it did seem at the time a little bit like this the action of somebody who is just not used to having cameras and press on them. The amount mm. that he was getting them after he had the hit. Right. I think like a lot of one hit wonders, we as a culture were ready to prop this guy up because it is a fun song. And so it's kind of irresistible and before you kind of realize what he did and why it's why it's kind of sucks what he did stealing from Marvin Gaye that way. The song is really very likable. And then you sort of think about it more and you're like, Neh. but then like with a lot of one hit wonders, we're also quick to tear them down and to make sure that yeah. they're destroyed. And I, I would argue that he did a lot of that himself, but he is a, a cautionary tale. I would say for the one hit wonder uh, where much like a Lou Bega or something like that, where, well, though probably is slightly more extreme where you can really like, ruin your life like those people who win the lottery and then their lives are ruined because of it i feel like that happened to robin thick but we got a really fun song out of it and i i mean you mentioned the parody videos Susanna. can we talk about weird al oh yeah we could talk about the weird al word crimes video it's so good <laughs> it is very good the animation is excellent uh i really like it although i gotta say of all the weird al songs and i do like weird al the word crimes one, ideologically, I'm not big on the concept of people who get all judgmental and snobby about other people not using proper grammar. And that is the theme of that song. Say you got an IT, I don't buy a bus, say you still want to stand 
That's a contraction. Uh, Annabelle, you don't like Weird Al, do you? Cannot stand it. <laughs> I don't like comedy music. Word Crimes is an entire song. It's it, he's not mocking the Robin Thicke version. He's just it's just an entire song about how people use bad grammar, mm. and that's annoying. Yeah, that's he's... that's the basis of that song. <laughs> Yeah, it's about like people correcting grammar on the internet. Basically, it's 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 very funny. I, uh, but much like the Robin Thicke video it parodies, uh, it's it's got its own you know slightly problematic undertones. Well, the li- some of the lyrics in this song. Here's a line: "Can't let it get past me. You're far from plastic. Talk about getting blasted." <laughs> right, and those are all meant to rhyme. The way he sings them. Yeah. Can't let it get past me. You're far from plastic. <laughs> hey, nothing rhymes with orange. He was doing his best. So this song gave us Emily Ratajkowski, which I'll always be grateful for. Oh yeah. Which one is she? Is she the brunette? Uh, the sexy one. The brunette. Yeah, with the massive belly button. The brunette is. Ext- I forgot how hot the ladies in this song were, and then I was like, oh yeah, there's a video where they're they're just naked. They're just naked. Mm-hmm. It's genius. Um. How did he? How did he not realize that he was going to get famous from this? How did he not realize? I, I think he did. I mean, I think he just thought he could handle it. You know, he just needed a little more time in the oven, and then yeah. he comes out with hashtags and boobies, and everybody's like, "Hey, you're number one <laughs> until you're dead." <laughs> and now we hate you. And we hate you. <laughs> I, and speaking of which, that video is about sixty percent hashtag. And that song is about 60% cowbell. Um, and I find that a bold choice. The combo cowbell hashtag is bold. Did he, was that video the first time people really were using the hashtag outside of Twitter? I, as I recall, as a square. I think so. In 2013, that that was the first time I had seen the hashtag used outside of an internet setting in that way. Perhaps I am just old. I could just I, be old. I would say there was some stuff before then. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think this song came out in my head. This song came out in 2009. So I'm not sure if I'm placing things in the right pl- like place in history. 2013. 2013. Yeah. yeah. I think the hashtag was just coming into sort of like the popular vernacular. Yeah. And it wasn't just like Twitter people and Internet people like normies were finding out what. Oh, what's a hashtag? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Antifa? <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, I would say, and Ryan, please, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I think he's just like a pornier Robert Palmer. Yeah, isn't his dad Alan Thick? <laughs> That's right. I just take him. Alan Thick is one of television's Americans TV's dads. Growing pains. It was it. I'm ready to Growing pains. <laughs> and uh, so the only way that I can. Uh, the only way I can think of to uh, properly express how I feel about uh, this therapeutic nut bucket. <laughs> um, hey, are those naked ladies holding a lamb in that video? I think so. Some yeah. kind of meat. Yeah, that lamb loved it. The lamb. I mean, <laughs> don't know where it is now, but uh, probably in someone's stomach. I knew somebody that worked for. Robin and Alan Thicke, and what they had said was, Alan Thicke refuses to send emails <laughs> or read them. I love that. 
and he will only communicate with you via fax. That's so, I was going to say boomer, (laughs) but it's really like modern boomer, like Luddite. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll just fax you the documents. Like you would fax people messages as you would send emails. And I just thought that was amazing. It's the only way to get a hold of him. It's pretty (laughs) badass, honestly. Yeah. Send me a fax. I don't, I got to buy a machine. I don't know how to do that. Facsimile. Always love that it's called a facsimile. I thought. I don't know what it means. Let's move on. You're up, kiddo. What is that? Lana Del Ra. Whoa, Lana Del Rey. Ride. Ride. So I picked this song because, okay, first of all, have you guys seen the video? Yes. It's 10 minutes long and was wild. It's fantastic. (laughs) It's 10 minutes long. It's absolutely stunning. She does a whole monologue at the beginning, which is about three minutes long, maybe four. I think the reason why I like this song is because lyrically it, it speaks to me. I love her crooning voice. I think that for me, the feeling of summer is a sexy feeling. And I can't think of anyone more sexy than Lana Del Rey, quite frankly. Now, Um, if I recall, that was also your feeling about Christmas. So I'm sensing a theme here. Just 24-7 sexy over (laughs) here. Sexy and sad. Yeah, I guess that is kind of how I like everything to feel. Sure. I heard a really good good, um, quote the other day from another pod that I listened to. And the host said that Lana Del Rey was a pop star for people with low serotonin, which I really, really related to. Mm. When is this song from? Let's have a look. 2012. That sounds about right. So the lyrics specifically that I, I mean, all of them are great. The second verse for me is so great. I hear the birds on the summer breeze. I drive fast. I am alone in the night. Been trying hard not to get into trouble, but I've got a war in my mind. Woo! Good. That is some sexy summer depression vibes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just very, I think it's like the lyrics are very evocative of summer. I hear the birds on the summer breeze. I drive fast. I just ride. It's like road trips. America, open land, Harley Davidson, cactus, you know, yeah, Sand. cactus. It's just, yeah. it's just all of that stuff, which to me is like how I imagined America would be growing up. I think is what that video is, is how I imagined America, um, fireworks and American flags and pinball machines and cigarettes and yeah. long nails cowboy lifestyle exactly yeah i just that's all it is to me and i just think it just feels really good this song and the monologue at the beginning is really really beautiful and she's actually just released a book of poems have you guys seen that no no it's called like bending over backwards in the grass or something like really odd 
um, which I will be purchasing because I do think she is an absolutely brilliant poet. For the most part, she writes her lyrics, right? Yeah. Songwriters Lana Del Rey, Justin Parker. Rick Rubin was the producer, of course, classic. What's Parker written? Bat for Lashes, Laura. Mm. That is a shock to learn that he wrote that as well. Um, Iconopop, loads of Lana, Ellie Golding. Well, Lana Del Rey, video games, that's her big, that's the breakout, part of the magic sauce for her. That's sexy sauce. And she switched to Antonov with the last one, though, because uh, Antonov did uh, Norman fucking Rockwell, which that is a record I really love. And I actually, Such a good record. I kind of, actually, the, I, um, I actually struggle with the, earlier material I, I sort of prefer her in a in a faster poppier space and so i actually had her discography because i i really do like her voice i like her songwriting and all that but this one actually missed me because this one's on born to die i think and yeah. i did i i couldn't i struggled to get into that record i don't i don't think i gave it a fair shot but hearing this one again you know again for this show has just reminded me oh yeah there's so many great songs on those albums and I think when she's good, like she sounds like modern Americana folk kind mm. of singing, and which it goes mm-hmm. to what you say about sounding American and stuff like that, and the ideals of American uh, culture. And I didn't realize until I saw the video how how on the nose she was actually going for that. Because yeah, I was getting all that Budweiser flag motorcycle imagery before I even saw the video, and then the video is like all of that, and like she gets like. She's in a lot of biker bars. I think she gets banged on a pinball table while she or a pinball mm-hmm. machine while she's playing the pinball game. Is uh, that a reference to that one movie? Oh, Deliverance, probably. Yeah, she's like a master of um, imagery. She mm. before she was Lana Del Rey, she was Lizzie Grant, and she looked so different. Huh. And then she got sort of like lip fillers and did her hair and made herself look like. Um, Wait, I'm having a moment. Elvis Presley's wife, Priscilla. You know, and that was like her kind of initial aesthetic. And she kind of just built from there. She really, really, I think, played on the Priscilla Presley thing. And it worked. I mean, she just built this world of Americana, like you say, but modern Mm. Americana. I I love the song National Anthem as well. I don't know if you've seen that video. It's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. She's basically like playing a Jackie O kind of character. Mm. Um, Yes, okay. I'm recalling now that you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. I just think she just is... I can't think of somebody better at creating a world that is accessible to all than Lana Del Rey. I think when you're an artist and you create a world, it can be very specific and people tend to have like a niche that is like, okay, I'm going to go in on this and it's going to alienate some people and some people are going to completely get it. But I think she's just been so clever about what she's done that it's, I mean, Americana is worshipped throughout the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, I just think she does it better than anyone else. Yeah, she's great. And I love the line. I mean, the last note I had on this one was like uh, that line where she says, I'm tired of feeling like I'm fucking crazy. You and me both, Lana. Like that kind of sums yeah. it up. Like there's a universal quality to it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Great vibe. Great choice. Hmm. Thank you. I'd say she's a great singer. Yeah, I didn't really get all that. Con- you know, when she did that. Um... S- bombed on SNL. Yeah, but everyone said she bombed and I listened to it and I 
I watched it and I didn't think that she bombed. I just think that people weren't used to hearing or seeing a, a woman sing like that. I think we were in the time of like X Factor and American Idol where everyone's just like belting out the highest note that they can and I don't know, everything was a bit shit at that time. Do you think if she'd performed like now her performance would have gone over better? Because I think in the last season of SNL we had like Billie Eilish in the rotating room and and uh, Halsey painting a face upside down while she sang it like mm-hmm. it's a lot more there's a lot more options for female performers now mainstream yeah absolutely I think it was just a timing thing I think she was not what people were expecting and I think she wasn't like getting up on the stage and commanding the audience in a way that we have seen women have to do in order to be front people she was like very shy and retiring and quiet and her voice was not powerful in a traditional sense and i think it was like very disarming for people Mm. and like almost i mean the reaction was as though it was grotesque you know um but i never saw the problem with that i thought it was rad and it obviously was because now she's one of the biggest stars in the world yes (laughs) Can't, can't have been that bad it wasn't an ashley simpson moment Right. I was, yeah. With the hoedown. Ooh. Yeah, yeah she, that, that really, that really ended it. We really went up. after her like the children of the corn with that one, didn't we, as a culture? We just sort mm-hmm. of said, duh, you know, like uh, really went after poor Ashley. Yeah, there's only room for one Simpson in this country. <laughs> Ryan? Yes? The Mr. Blue Sky of my life. Oh, we've entered... That was we 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 just went through Memorial Day through the Fourth of July. That's what those first four songs. Now we're entering Fourth of July through Labor Day. (sighs) Laborious. So my second track is uh, the Electric Light Orchestra's "Mr. Blue Sky," which is basically just Jeff Lynne. Obviously, there's a band, and I can't think of a song that best describes summer, even the summers I have now, better than this one. Starts radio changing. Yeah. Today's calls, forecast calls for Mr. Blue Sky. (laughs) Just some kind of major chord, probably in the key of C, I don't know. I'm so glad you picked this song. Like, I don't think of this song every time I think about, like, an upbeat song, but it's always such a good listen. Yeah, there's all these different movements and... It somehow like works. You have men singing low and high and cellos and strings. and Yeah. The, the lyric is just simple, but I guess it came from Jeff was sitting, trying to write. Uh, he was in a... Did you say it? Chalet? Is that how, that's how the word is pronounced? Yes. Yes. He was in a Swiss chalet. He was trying to write records, a follow-up to the album, a new world record. It was a big hit for them. He couldn't write. And I guess it was dark and misty for two weeks and he didn't have a single song. And all of a sudden the sun broke through the mist <laughs> in the clouds. He's looking at the Alps 
And then he wrote Mr. Blue Sky and 13 other songs in like a 10-day period. That's great. That's some Here Comes the Sun shit right there. Yeah. And I guess the first four chords are exactly the same as yesterday. It's a different key. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, Lennon, I think he always pointed to this song as being the... The son of the Beatles. Yeah, son of walrus. Type of, son of walrus. There you go. There's a lot of Beatle on this, though. They, um, hey, you with the pretty face, welcome to the human race. That sounds like a Beatle lyric. Um, the heavy breathing, a la day in the life. Yeah. Uh, the seemingly disconnected coda at the end. And you mentioned the cellos. Like, that's where that walrus comes from. There's the heavy driving cello. That's nice. I mean, it's a good, even though there's always going to be with yellow, that bit of Beatle stink on it. Mm-hmm. Jeff Lynn knows how to construct a song and i we've talked about elo a lot on the show but when i when i hear an elo record i almost feel like i'm watching just a really happy collage of music i already like just assembled in a really cool way and absolutely he knows how to do that. that's why he's such a great producer um because he knows how to bring out the best in the sounds that he enjoys i mean he's the one guy he do, he did the last beatles songs yes. real love and free as a bird yeah he was a he was a traveling wilbury Produced George One twice. One of the Wilburys. So yeah, I mean, I don't even have a lot to say about the song other than I just, it's great. It's simple. It's easy. It's fun. Yeah. Gets me jacked up. I can put it on in a car ride or just on a playlist or if you're working out and you're like, yeah, Mr. Blue, you did it right. I come this tonight. All of it changes. And, yeah. You know, I, and I actually, there's a version from 2012 where Jeff redid the whole thing by himself. I don't know if you've heard any of those songs mm-hmm. where he picked like his ELO's greatest hits and he's like, I'm going to re-record these. Jesus. Sort of how, you know, McCartney did the Broad Street thing, yeah. but some of them, I can't even tell the difference. Yeah. They're like that well matched. His voice has aged very well uh, as well. So I imagine it sounded good. Would you know who Jeff Lynn is without the goatee or the hair or the sunglasses, though? Funny you bring that up. In the video, he is sans glasses. And it oh, no, I didn't watch freaked it. me out because oh, well, he has little can rat you cue eyes. that up? Can we all watch a little of that? Yeah, show us. Yeah. Okay. He has rat eyes. <laughs> he has very tired eyes. Rat eyes. <laughs> rat, rat eyes are, are similar to prawn eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me stick out. Hold on. I'm having What's the difference between a prawn and a shrimp? A shrimp is about a dollar fifty. <laughs> a shrimp is a prawn is more like a little mini lobster, and the shrimp is just oh. like a little ah! a sea bug. There he is. Oh, I haven't seen this in a long time. So just watching the music video right now. <laughs> oh, look at that airbrush. It's so amazing. Hair. The cello. <laughs> wow. Look at his rat eyes. <laughs> he can't possibly be a young man there. Yeah, no, he looks like he's some real Steve Buscemi like eyes going on over there. He looks like he's always been the same age, and that's 900 years old. (laughs) The guy's doing a duck walk with the cello, like Chuck Berry. (laughs) Sick. 
Anyway, you get the idea. Again, we, a lot of cowbell. A lot of cowbell. <laughs> cowbell is <laughs> like a summer sound. I like the way this man sings. That's In nice. In the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that kind of vibe. Right. That's a good one. I love this song. So that, so I just looked this up. The, it is a cowbell, but it's also a fire extinguisher that they're playing. Oh, cool. I guess that he plays the fire extinguisher live. It's good. I defy anyone to listen to this song and not feel happy. Yeah. Mm. It's a happy time. Yeah, just a no thought. Just have a good time. It's on the playlist. I mean, it's, it's like one of those. Everybody knows this song, right? You must. Yeah. I didn't think I knew it until we just played it. And you knew it. Yeah, of course I knew it. Yeah. Classic. A classic <laughs> tune. Can you sing some of it for us? In this game. <laughs> Bob Dylan here. <laughs> I like the perms. I like mm. the cello being played like a guitar. Mm. And that's my comment on it. A lot of big fun. I love yellow. I'm going to transition on over into Can't Stop Thinking About You track at number six. Now, this is by George Harrison. It is on a uh, an album that is generally uh, reviled, and it is a song that is generally uh, forgettable to most. Just a, the brief background here, George uh, had launched his record label, but he was unable to put out records on it because he was still in the Beatles contract. So he put out this album called Dark Horse, where he's extremely depressed, has a big coke problem. His wife just left him, and he is at the bottom of his barrel, and it sounds like it. And the album bombed. George is at an extremely low place in his life. He has one last record to fill out the Apple contract. So he puts out this album called Extra Texture, which is... Just a lot of strange tunes for him. It's basically just him doing every stupid thing he ever wanted to do. Most of the thing sounds like a Smokey Robinson impression because he's a big Smokey Robinson fan. And so he was just like, whatever, this is the last Apple record. He actually titled the album uh, Extra Texture, Read All About It. And then on the back in big letters, it just says, oh, not him again, because he just didn't give a shit. He just wanted the yeah. Beatles contract to be over. He was extremely depressed. But... He had just uh, found new love with his soon-to-be wife, uh, Olivia. And so he is kind of in a happier place here. And this song, Can't Stop Thinking About You, is a, is a love song, obviously. I heard this song when I was a teenager, 16, 17, for the first time, and I related to it a lot because I don't, I'm not sure if you've ever had these summers, right? We have the intense puppy love summers where you, you've met somebody, you're dating you know, uh, heavily, and there's a, almost an obsession angle to it where that serotonin, that, I don't know, that, that intensity of that summer love really hits a peak, and the lyric can't stop thinking about you. I've felt that in my life. I'm not sure if either of you have too. It's not love like in the traditional sense. It's it's almost a more concentrated love. That puppy love. It's like uh, I, obsession. Yeah, it's obsession. That's the word lust you're looking for. Well. Obsession. It's also lust. Lust makes you feel that way. There's some lust too. Yeah. Can't stop thinking about you. Is to me an encapsulation of that. 
And I'll just tell the very quick story of there was a summer. The reason why I put this on the list is there was a summer where I was dating somebody and I had this song on a playlist and we drove my, my old car up a grass hill in the middle of a field and the moonlit sky above. And I kept the headlights on and then rolled the windows all down and the skylight down and then turned this song up. And then we slow danced in front of the car in the headlights Aww. under the moonlit sky in one of those like perfect summer romance moments and so whenever i hear this song i just think all those feelings come rushing back and it's just a very visceral lovely experience that that summarizes a lot of that is this the best song in the universe Uh, probably not uh is his singing uh, great no he's trying um but (laughs) i uh because he's trying to do a Smokey robinson impression and it's just not not clicking but that's where i come at with this song and i just really love it for the feeling it it evokes. I'd like to add that I was not the person he was slow dancing in the car lights with, but when Paul and I did start dating, he was full of cute little romantic gestures like that, which were, uh, that was nice. Oh, that's so sweet. Didn't have you pegged as a romantic? Oh, yes. Oh, he's romantic. Extremely. Oh. Lots of gestures (laughs) from this boy. Oh, that's cute. That's really cute, you guys. Anyway. Anyway, stop talking about me. <laughs> what are you going to do that's romantic? <laughs> just kidding. Wait, when? No, like now? <laughs> um, I'll put it in an email, an official request. <laughs> You're very romantic. Am I? Yeah. You know how those people really do have love languages, don't they? Mm. Mm. That's yes. like a real thing I've realized as I get older. Yes. Annabelle had a guitar that what years ago the yeah little pig nose it's called a pig nose guitar it's like a famous amp and oh, they yeah. made a guitar out of them I so i got her amp. one for her birthday well i just borrowed it from somebody and i loved playing it and mm-hmm. i mentioned it and ryan got it and you do sweet things like that Aww. and i took it yesterday to get because this thing yeah because you guys all care about this <laughs> the, some guitars because the wood in, in different climates will shrink yeah and then the frets stick out and will if you try to play it the shreds the side of your hand so I found a guy in town who's going to basically tap into this guitar. He's going to file him down. And then he said, oh, it happens to a lot of these. So she'll have one of the only pig nose guitars in the world. Wow. That just doesn't razor blade your hand. Customized. <laughs> it's tiny. Yeah. It's a tiny guitar. And it actually literally has a pig's nose as the Aww. tone and volume control knob. We'll show you guys pics when it comes back. It is so small. This is my version of romance. I was going to say, I want to see pictures of this. This sounds lovely. <laughs> it's so sweet. Not that this is a romance competition, but I just wanted... To, to, to know about the pig just wanted guitar, you guys to Susanna. know about um, <laughs> our romance <laughs> it's a good song from I mean uh, I'll chime in yeah go on give I, us your opinion uh, oh I'll hear that well I'll give you some my opinion <laughs> then I the older I get the more I dig into George Harrison the more I just really really like him a lot and Annabelle and I were watching a bunch of George Harrison music videos while well, I was watching them. And Annabelle saw us. I'd be, hey, come and look at this. He's with a giant rubber duck oh, for that's some the reason. Oh, that's video, yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Or the faster music video where it's faster. just basically like, I'm, I'm a race car driver now <laughs> and ignore anything I've done musically. Yeah, I wish this song did have a music video because with the Beatles solo stuff, you're always, at least this, I'm always being like, could this fit on one of their albums? And I really think it could. It's one of those... It's not a while my guitar gently weeps level of you're like, oh, my God. But 
you know, every song John or Paul did wasn't that level, and yeah. it would have fit nicely onto an out al- like a late '70s Beatles album, if a, like a fantasy Beatles album. Yeah, I always say that I think that George is the most grounded of. Of well, you, the group. you said he wasn't a lizard person. Yeah, I think he was a lizard people. <laughs> John, Paul, yeah. Ringo, lizard people. Yeah, lizard men. And then George was like a human being. Right. Yeah. He felt he felt very unguarded and like there wasn't a great persona and he wasn't trying to compete with the other lads and He never really got know. the same kind of swollen head, it seemed like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really like him uh, with his solo career. Like, especially at this point, he just, they, they tend to be hit or miss at times, but you know, I, I always find something I enjoy out of him. And again, this album is not a, like a, an objectively great album, but I do love it. It opens with a song that he wrote for Ronnie Spector that Ronnie Spector really should have been singing instead of him. But uh, you know, there is, there's stuff to enjoy about it. You know, who plays piano on this song Fuck. or the keyboards. It's not Preston, is Dave, it? David Foster. Ah. But yeah, uh, great bass line, great mid-70s love song. Yeah, can't stop thinking about you. Uh, I guess we'll move on to track seven here, Susanna. Uh, Don McLean's American Pie. A long, long time ago I can still remember How that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me... Came out in May of 1971. Officially, the day the music died that the song talks about is about the plane crash of 1959 that killed the Big Bopper and Buddy Holly. And Richie Valens. Um, Yes, but the... um, the song itself, I think, tends to be more of um, a response to the massive sweeping social shifts in the United States in the 1960s. Like, that was the decade that everything changed for um, as the first sort of boomer generation grew and clashed with pre-war lifestyle habits and sentiments and the history of the 60s in the u.s is fascinating that's when we get the um the cia experimenting with lsd on innocent populations that when when we start getting college shootings of police um shooting peaceful protesting college students we start to see i think the 60s was when ronald reagan tear gassed a school accidentally I think. I'm not sure if that's when he did it in California. Uh, But again, that one I'm not 100% sure about. But just so many things changed. And this song is about things changing and having to say goodbye to a specific image of what you think the world is like. But for me, it's a summer song because it was the theme song to a summer camp I went to three years in in a row when I was a teenager. That'll do it. The summer camp song. I grew up in a situation where due to like the lifestyle and the situations of both of my parents, I was pretty extremely uh, physically and socially isolated from a lot of the people I went to school with and a lot of the people that would have been in my peer group. So going to this summer camp for three weeks for three years in a row in the middle of the summer was the first time that I'd ever been away from my parents. And it was 
so liberating and so wonderful. And I built these friendships that I had never had anything like before. And I started trading music with people for the first time. Like I kissed somebody for the first time. It was cool. Like it was a big, it was a big transitional time in my life. So this song for me, even just listening to prep to this, I get, I, it sort of takes me right back to that experience. It's wonderful. I like it very much. That's really cute. Did you and your kissing friend use tongues or was it just a peck? Oh, there was definitely tongues. Absolutely. A lot of tongues. And this is how young I was. I had a post-it or a piece of paper, I think, in my dorm room there. And I would make a mark on it every time we had a make-out session. Because I'd never <laughs> kissed anyone before and I wanted to count how many times because it made me feel like I was more socially established if I'd done oh, a lot of so kissing. Cute. That is so cute. Uh-huh. I think about the young people during like the time when this song was written and the time that it came out. And I don't know, I just think about everything they went through during the 60s and like going into that different era. They really thought things were going to be some type of way. Yeah. (laughs) And they were not. And I think that must have been like really rough. I think a lot of them were angry but didn't know how to talk about it. Well, there's a line in there. It's interesting you say that, Annabelle. I zeroed in on that too. There's a line, and there we were all in one place, a generation lost in space. And I thought, it really got me thinking about boomers because their parents, because of the intensity of World War II in that era, their parents were simultaneously the most like heroic and arrogant generation in at least this country's history, American history, but also in England, too, like they had the, the, the feeling of having defeated the Nazis and defended, defended their country. But these poor kids, these boomers, they had to just figure out what the real truth was because they were getting spoon fed all this crazy talk by the, great, the greatest generation. And I don't think all of them quite parsed it. And that's how you get the boomers uh, as they evolve today, you know, maybe being even though the, when you think of baby boomers, you think of like you know, hippies and stuff, but these days they've, they've, got, they've become hyper-conservative. And I just think it's just because they felt lied to. There's that Who song, We Won't Get Fooled Again. Like there's a lot of confusion um, mm. about the boomer culture. And, and not to mention when you start like, and not to get off on this tangent too much, but when you start thinking about how many of them died in a jungle bloodbath, like mm. you start thinking about that stuff and you start thinking, boy, that just really must've screwed all these kids' heads up. Uh, for so long, but I, you know, this song I think captures a lot of that. It takes us, like you said, Susanna, on a tour through the '60s, right up until the early '70s when he wrote it. Like, there's shades of "We Didn't Start the Fire" in this, although in a little more of a linear kind of way. And there's even a couple Beatle references, which I pulled out here. While Lennon read a book on Marx, I thought was cute. Um, <laughs> and then there's uh, "Helter Skelter" and "A Summer Swelter," and then bits about the birds and stuff. But what an intense time! Crazy. Well, the jester—that's Dylan, right? Who stole the mantle of rock and roll from the king? And right. I don't think he enjoys being called a jester. I no, believe- Bob Dylan hates that. I know he hates that. Yeah, he's a, everybody asks him about it. And he goes, "Why don't you ask him?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, Bob Dylan's amazing. <laughs> Going back to that generation, think about the fa- all of the stuff that they've seen change mm. in their lifetime. Yeah. Mm. And I just that is one generation where it's like, okay, so yeah, the parents were. We grew up in post-World War trauma, mindset, social structures, political structures. Then you had this big social and sexual revolution. Then it was the 70s. And then the 80s, 
Then people started getting mobile phones, computers. Because of, it was because of computers. But yeah. like they've seen literally like the the first mobile phones that were like a backpack. So <laughs> <laughs> now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Al it's Gore's like, backpack phone. Exactly, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, with and the it's battery like, on his belt. They've seen all of it in their lifetime. Yeah. Completely from beginning to end. And it's just, I think about some of our older friends. We have a bunch of like older friends in the arts in LA and the world that they LA to them old like 70s old you're saying yeah 60s yeah like they're in their late 70s so they were really ripping a dip during this time (laughs) and like (laughs) they you know their favorite club and restaurant that they stayed up at all night doing blow with Mick Jagger is now like a Bristol Farms <laughs> grocery store, you know, and it's just like Coincidentally, you can still get cocaine at that farm. Um it just must be really odd for them. And to see LA be such a magical place and the world be this totally different place to what it is now, it must be such a head fuck. Yeah. In the seventies during the Vietnam War, because there was a law on the books that said if you were a married woman, your address was your husband's address. No matter where you were living, there were a bunch of women who couldn't go to college because their husbands were stationed overseas. Oh, for God's sake. So if you're not in the same state as your college, you couldn't go. And for the longest time, I'd thought that 1950 was the year that it became legal for women to have their own checking accounts. But recently I did some research on it and it, that may have also been a 70s change too. Yeah, no, like, a lot of that stuff was in the 70s. Yeah. Which is shocking. I, yeah, I can't believe like women couldn't get a mortgage or a checking account or anything like that on their own without like a man co-signing for them. That's in that's absolutely insane. You could have an orgy though. You could have one of those. Do loads of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Hitchhike around the country. But imagine what Bristol that... Farms is still open. <laughs> I'd like a Coca Cola. I'd like a Diet Coke in a bag of blow. <laughs> Do you have any of those uh, muffins still? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. God, what a crazy time. Yeah. Well, should we move on then to hearts and buttons? Well, okay. Well, I I would say one last thing. So did you guys have this? Well, you definitely didn't have this experience. So at all of our dances, it would have started middle school, middle school, high school. This song was the, like the second to last song of the night. It was like the signal, like it, like the party was ending, wow. and the everybody knew every lyric to the song, and they would all scream it out, you know, "Bye, bye, Miss America, bye, Joe, my Chevy, love This will be the day that I die, and the whole of whole school, hell die yeah, <laughs> this will be the day that I die. Drinking beer with my, the, the, like there was some unwritten verse that everybody in the Midwest knew, and it wasn't just our school; it was like all the schools in the area. Did you have it? Do you experience that? I had it at, at the summer camp. There was like camp, extra okay. choruses that people sang, but that didn't, that wasn't on, that one was not played at my school dances. No. I've heard that song so many And the final thing I'll say is the year the Madonna version came out, we were still in, I think we're still in high school. And so the DJ played the first half of the song and then put a, put a bass drum in and then transitioned it to yeah. Madonna's. And the entire dance was, boo, <laughs> to the point where he had to stop it and play Don McLean's from the beginning because they wanted that oh, wow. cathartic, mm. everybody's dancing and saying, I'm putting my hands up in the air right now. A lot of frantic motion. 
flailing around. The three men I admire most, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, are on the last train to the coast. Like, what a... It's a great song. It's mm. very good. Good choice, Susanna. Great choice. Thanks. All right. Here we go. Annabelle, you're up. You're up, Hello. Annabelle. This is my second pick, Hearts and Bones by Paul Simon. One and one half wandering Jews Free to wander wherever they choose Are traveling together in the sangre de Cristo In the blood of Christ mountains of New Mexico On the last leg of a journey they started a long time ago The Ark of a Love Affair And the reason I chose this is because in my teens, I got really into Paul Simon when I was learning to really write songs for the first time. Oh, sound of coffee. So yeah, I was really learning to write songs and I realizing, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be a songwriter. I want to be an artist. And discovering Paul Simon was, you know, obviously mind-blowing. I knew Simon and Garfunkel growing up, but the solo work was like really a game changer for me. I think I just never had heard a man sing in such a sort of gentle and tender and beautiful way. And that was very touching to me. The tone of his voice is honestly like, it's like honey or something. I don't know. It just really, it just strikes something in me and I'm very, very like moved by it. And this song in particular I think the instrumentation is it sounds like what he's saying it sounds like the desert it sounds like you can see the pink and purple sky you can smell the smells of Mexico you can see the woman beside you do you know what I mean it's like so I just find it so like evocative this song is actually about none other than Carrie Fisher Ooh, I didn't mm. know Don't that. know if you guys uh, knew that. No. They were married for nine months? Yeah. Right? Oh, was like they were married for like a year. Yeah. Um, and this song came out, I think this song came out in 83. Yeah. yeah. Came out in 82 or 83. And it was, this album was slammed. Like people thought that it was garbage. And then retrospectively people yeah. really liked it. And I found that is something that I frequently have where I like something that wasn't appreciated at first mm. um and i don't know what that says about me uh <laughs> i don't really know um but hearts and bones specifically i just think the lyrics are let me just pull up these lyrics so i don't get them wrong while you're looking there i actually had a question maybe Susanna and annabelle you might be able to answer this for me too you talked about his voice paul simon's voice mm. and he does this trick because this is a couple years before graceland and i feel like graceland is really where he kind of reinvigorated his career but he uses some of those vocal tricks here where he does the like a slow bit at the start of the sentence and then speeds through the rest of the sentence. And I don't know if there's a name for what he does. Like when he goes, Are traveling together in the sangre de Cristo in the blood of Christ mountains of New Mexico. Sort of a, I don't know how, if that's just like a flow thing. I don't know if that has a technical term about how he, about his phrasing. I don't know. Is there... Is that anything? Am I saying anything right now? No, I I, I, th I understand what you're saying. I think it's like, it's almost percussive, okay. his vocal style, I think. Yeah. 
and his timing is slightly odd and that is one of the things that I love about him as a songwriter because I also have very very weird timing which could be from listening to these songs growing up but sure. he says about this record that he was learning how to write his own songs yeah in the context of just him and that he was exploring and figuring out his voice and what his kind of palette was but I don't know if there's like a technical time I'm not really a music theory person yeah but I would say that he definitely has like a percussive style to the way that he sings. He sings how a lead guitarist plays a lead oh, okay. guitar solo. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. slow and then it speeds up. Right, right. That's how I take it. Okay, so the lyrics of this one, the first lyrics are one and one half wandering Jews, free to wander wherever they choose, traveling together in the Sangre de Cristo, the blood of Christ mountains of New Mexico. It's just so like, you can just see it. Yeah. And you can feel it. The whole song is like that. Two people were married. The act was outrageous. The bride was contagious. She burned like a bride. It's just like, come on. (laughs) Um, But my favorite, favorite, favorite lyric from the song is, why, (laughs) it's so sad. Why won't you love me for who I am, where I am? Mm. That's not the way the world is, baby. This is how I love you, baby. (laughs) Woof. I mean, that's just like... I love that. It's so beautiful, and I think it explains their relationship perfectly. It's kind of like the sadness of the fact that they loved each other so much, but they were just missing one another constantly, like two ships passing constantly. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult their lives would have been given that she had just become the most famous woman in the world probably at that point. Yeah. Also, the drugs, right? She was there pretty a lot erratic. of drugs. Yeah, she, she all straight as an arrow. She was doing a lot of drugs. I think she did an interview once where she said she didn't remember being married to him. Like that's <laughs> how many drugs she was doing at the time. Jesus Christ! God, and then for him to be in the relationship, aware of everything going on, I think you can just really hear that. Yeah, mm. there's a tenderness but a pain in there, and this yeah. is just what I like about Paul Simon. And it's funny, I, this song completely missed me. And I, I consider myself somebody who knows at least his hits fairly well, but I didn't, I don't think I've ever even heard this this album all the way through. And I, boy, this was just as good to me as anything on Graceland. Mm. And actually just as good as any Simon Garfunkel song I'd ever heard. And of all of these songs, this was the biggest surprise for me on, on the whole collection because I was just like, wow, what did I miss from this record? It made me want to go back and listen to it. I just... Equal parts, uh, calming and biting, uh, just everything I love about Paul Simon. Yeah, it's a very, very special song. Very, very special. Yeah. I remember you were having a bad day. I don't know how many years ago this was. And I was like, I know what we'll do. And I put you in the car and we got, we went and drove to get that ice cream you like in Beverly Hills. That mm. doesn't exist anymore. The, it was vanilla. Yeah. The ice cream lab. So good. And I put this song on and you just like put the put the car seat down and you were just like, you said exactly the same stuff that you just said on the podcast. And I was like, oh yeah, this song is really good. <laughs> I mean, I love this. And I know this album was panned. Yeah. Like, uh, Think Too Much, Parts A and B. Paul, have you heard this whole record? No, no. What is it? Is there any other hits on here? Is it, this isn't the, no. co- this isn't the Kodachrome record. No, no, it? no, 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 no. That stuff all, that's like all early, that's like 10 years before this. Yeah. Just, this is the album where he thought after it came out that his whole career was over. Mm. And I listened to it. I listened to the whole thing. I'm like, why? It's really, there's like a lot of synthesizers on it. And it's him responding to what we were just talking about, like in the 80s, all the technology. 
But then, like the late great Johnny Ace is on this. There's a oh, few songs in the B sides right. that are that are really good. Late great Johnny mm-hmm. Ace is about John Lennon. Yeah, that was his yes. tribute song for John Lennon. Yeah. And there's loads of amazing musicians on this album as well. I mean, Nile Rodgers is is on it. It's just like a he got the Rolodex out, you guys. Got all the stops. <laughs> got Steve the big boys Gad. In. Steve Gad, Maca guy. If you look at the list of, I mean, again, I try not to read too many lists. But it's like all of the cats, the session mm. guys, right. like the main guys from like the late 70s to the mid 80s. Excellent, excellent choice, Animal. Mm. It was a really good one. Thank you. I love The Boys Are Back in Town by Lynn Lizzie. Guess who just got back today? Them wild-eyed boys that had been away. Haven't changed, had much to say. But man, I still think them... I'm not kidding, not even joking around. I once made a... Uh, do you remember when I was like lifting weights heavily? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, really? Yeah. No, it was great. You were thick. I was like 20 pounds heavier and just like no hair and just like, oh, I fucking love weights. Really? And, she's, and she was like, your legs are so thick. I liked it. He had a sexy bum and legs. Yeah. was ready to get crushed by those thighs. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to have to make this an explicit red band episode. <laughs> Put this one behind the paywall. But I actually had a playlist that was the boys are back in town 13 times in a row. <laughs> He's not, he's not joking. <laughs> that I would put on repeat and just be like, all right, I'm going to beat the fucking bench breath. Like, really like it gets me so jacked up, that song, every time. Your top lip is sweating. I'm sweating right now. My face is all red. <laughs> I may start lifting weights again and going to the Bristles Farms for those muffins and that special cocaine. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, lyric, I mean, I know this song so loud, I don't even have to look it up. So the... This is one of those songs like Bachman Turner Overdrive's Not Taking Care of Business, the Ain't other nothing one. Yet. Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, where it was the goof song that they would play at warm up or on uh, soundcheck. And they recorded, I don't know, they had like 20 songs for this album. And they recorded all of them. And they, this was not on the working order of the album. And the manager was like, what about that Boys Are Back in Town song? And they're like, nah, that song's, nah, it's kind of goofy. Because the rest of the album is pretty serious. Like Jailbreak is on it. It's like very serious songs written by men for other men. Like very serious. Have, so, and this one's kind of, you know, Bouncy. Yeah. goofy. And they listened to the manager and they put it on the record. And, it, and I mean, it, what saved the Thin Lizzy? Because they, they, were, they were broke and they were about to break up. And I guess the song is just about what they experienced and saw in the middle of the United States, a blue collar men, yeah, well, men and women, but I mean, the song's called The Boys Are Back in Town. This is a song for men. This is not yeah. a woman's Does area. any woman like this song? I love it, but it's definitely about men, by men, for men. It sounds like a bachelor party. It's what you'd scream with your friends. Yeah. Rolling into it Atlantic City or like whatever. How your thighs looked when you were <laughs> So it sounded excellent. Sounds great. You ever crack a walnut on those, Ryan? I'm I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, so it's college and it's and then you're going back for summer break and you're seeing all your friends and then you're all older and you can drink and they're at the bar and you're like, I guess we're adults now. You look at me. You, you, like, <laughs> and there's that line, um, Friday night. Dressed to, to kill. kill. That's the only line I pulled. <laughs> Dino's Bar and Grill. So one of my best friends, a guy named Max Phillips, who I know he listens to this show, his dad is Dino and he, his, uh, he had this restaurant that we'd all go hang out at in high school and even you know, past that. And so I always just felt like this song was talking to, like it was written exactly for somebody in my position. And, and yeah, I just, uh, Phil Lina, lead singer, bass guitarist too. So it's that sort of that, you know, I love the bass guitar. I don't know. This song rules. Just play the guitar solo bit right here. <laughs> Harmony guitar. It feels like a swing set. That's what I described it as. It just, it never stops swinging. The whole, like the thing is, or like a train engine or something. It's a very driving song. That's the sound of dicks swinging. Dicks. It's just dicks. <laughs> and if you think this version's good, there's a version that never, he never released it officially, but uh, Huey Lewis in the news no. did a version <gasps> in the 80s. That's like, Slick in eighties, but like <laughs> Huey is where kinda, is it? He has where a fan on him, and it's blowing back, and he's like Friday night, <laughs> dressed to kill. Like he's like hitting all the lines perfectly. I love it. I wonder how much play this got in gay clubs. Ah, probably a lot. Great song, absolutely. What's your love favorite it. line? <laughs> I think the same one as you. It just makes me feel like if I was a man and I heard that line, oh, I'd get jacked up, dressed to kill. Drink will flow and blood will spill, and if the boys want to fight, you better let them. <laughs> 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 There's almost a Bruce Springsteen quality to this one in in a way. Actually, when I was yeah, definitely. But yeah, no, it's great. It's great, great selection. Right? Great, great, great song. <laughs> All right, that we're in the we're in the home stretch here. I got anthems for a 17 year old girl by Broken Social. No, I'd never heard this. Really, I hadn't heard this before. No, it's first time for me. by the band Broken Social Scene from their second studio album. Uh, they're Canadian indie rock uh, commune almost. They're a little like, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? The one Annie was in. Um, Polyphonic Spree. Polyphonic Spree, a little like that. There's tons of people, but this is from their second record. You forgot it in people. And I really wish there was a Broken Social Scene album I liked all the way through so I could put it on this show, but there just isn't. I just love this song. They were an 11-piece collective at this point in their particular career, and they were making like ambient music, and then this album hard-pivoted into pop songs. This song actually features Emily Haynes from Metric and Feist. Oh, no kidding. And it explains why I love it so much, because I love Metric, and I, and, I, and I do like Feist. 
So this song is was another one attached to a summer for me. A girlfriend put it on a mixtape for me, and we were both having one of those summers. And I just remember just zoning out and thinking about this song. And it, there's a mantra quality. Like this, the whole song is basically just a, a series of three mantras. Uh, used to be one of the right something like, and I liked you for that. Now you're all gone. Got your makeup gone. You're not coming back. Bleaching your teeth, smiling fast, talking trash under my bed. That's one of them. And then there's park that car, drop that phone, sleep on the floor, dream about me. And if that le- that particular stanza summarized that whole summer to me, because I was just yeah. park that car, we, either she's in the car with me or whatever, drop that phone, just stop paying attention to the phone for a minute, pay attention to this person. Sleep on the floor feels like you're maybe on a at somebody else's house or you know whatever. Just there's something kind of visceral about the idea of sleeping on the floor when there's a bed to sleep in. I don't know something raw about it. And then dream about me. You can't get that person out of your head. So this yeah the the just the repeat mantras the the wonderful there's like weird banjo in it, but it's just a t- it's like a tone poem, just beautiful, soft, but also kind of emotionally biting. I just really really love this song. Interesting vocoder style vocals. I don't know if yeah. what the effect is. I think so. What year is? Do you know roughly the year of this? Bro? Recorded in two thousand and two, or or released in two thousand two, but it didn't really become a hit until later in the two thousands. And then I found out after the fact. I didn't realize this. It was on the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack, and which is, I think maybe what put it on people's radar because that yeah. that album was a who's who of indie rock at the time. But yeah, I, I don't know. So this is your first time hearing it, Ryan. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard Do you know it? You no, know I'd never heard it either. Yeah. You know, I, it was the first time I had heard it. And I, I thought it was, uh, normally I think of summer songs, they're like up, you know, way up tempo. But this one has like a sweetness to it, a softness, soft quality to it. So I appreciated you putting it on the list for that reason. Kind of like a hazy vibe. Hazy, for sure. I realized I after the fact, I, I picked like two slow songs. I really like. I was trying to pick songs that f- meant something about summer to me, and this one, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely does. That's what I like about indie rock. It's just repackaged 60s rock again with updated technology. And this one sounds like the kind of mantra style 60s song that I would enjoy just done in a modern way. And Emily Haynes is amazing. So she really, she brought it to this one, but yeah. Broken social scene. Great track. <laughs> Susanna. Uh, if I hadn't heard this song, the last song, this one, I, cr- I was ready. Like, <laughs> For some K-pop. <laughs> I was almost shocked that I was hearing. I was like, did I, did I pull the right song off of the internet? Turns out I did. Can I get into a, just a general sort of room tone about how we feel about K-pop? 100%. I like K-pop. This song definitely wasn't for me, though. I was, I was definitely taken off guard by it because I wouldn't have labeled it as K-pop. Do you know what I mean? If someone had said to me, oh, yes, there's a K-pop album. What? Um, yeah, I, I get that. But I do love K-pop and I like um, their rebellious social media movements that they've been creating recently on Twitter and TikTok. But this, so this is Red Velvet. They're, they're huge. They have a huge following. They do big 
big numbers. Oh, yeah. The song is Lucky Girl by Red Velvet. Yes. That's so cute. So I've been listening to K-pop sort of casually for a couple of years and somehow had never discovered Red Velvet until earlier this summer when we watched Trolls World Tour. And Russian Roulette is highlighted in that. And I don't know how you guys feel about like watching kids entertainment, but the Trolls World Tour movie has no right to be as insightful about the music industry as it is. It's about cultural appropriation, the whole movie, and it's for children. That was one of the ones that went video on demand this year because of the quarantine. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what um, introduced me to Red Velvet because Russian Roulette is sampled in there. And now kind of similar to how you had a workout list with Thin Lizzy on it 12 times. I have a drawing list that has three K-pop songs on it, just repeated yeah. over and over and over again. That's what it should be. A good list. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this song specifically kind of has really been earworming me this summer. And I was looking into it a little bit. It came out in 2016. Uh, it's a Red Velvet song off of the Russian Roulette album. And it was written by a woman who goes by Kenzie. And Kenzie's a really interesting writer. She is, I think, a couple years older than us. She's South Korean, but she went to college at uh, Berkeley for music engineering and production in the 90s. And I think if you listen to this song, there's a lot of sort of 90s stink on it. Like the time that she was in the US was the time that we were getting a lot of ska, that we were sort of having that swing revival in the 90s. And there's a lot of elements of that in this song specifically. But then I went and looked into her discography a little bit more and found that a lot of the K-pop songs that I really enjoy were specifically written by her that I'd been listening to for years and hadn't just hadn't put that together. So I find her really interesting. Her public stance is that um, she likes specifically to write music that's international in terms of its influences. And this song has actual like shooby doo in it. Yeah. Mm. Which is, I wouldn't have expected that from a K-pop song, and I really appreciate that it was unexpected. That was one of the notes I wrote here. They have honest-to-God shooby-doo-wops. <laughs> well, you and I have talked about this, Suzanne. I know you don't love the comparison, but this one gave me a lot of Candyman vibes from Christina Aguilera. It sounded like that updated 50s. That is a very, very, very good comparison. It is a good comparison. I like Candyman a lot, so to me it wasn't like a derogatory thing. I just like them both. But I don't care for the wah 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 bits in the middle, like that. Those parts I could go without, but especially how the lucky girl phrase ends by going up instead of go by going down. I really enjoy that, and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed that until I started listening to the song. And since then, I've been looking for it in other music. But anyway, I like it. It makes me feel good. It's poppy. So is that your summer 2020 song? That's my summer 2020 song. Nice. That shit's a toe tapper right there. Just try not well. to smile. Come on. <laughs> Dare you. <laughs> it's a good one. It's bubbly, but it's also, you know, it's got those K-pop hallmarks, the little English phrases sprinkled throughout it. And yeah, you kind of get the gist of what they're saying, even though you can't understand the Korean. Their artwork is 
incredible for all of their mm-hmm. releases. That's one thing I've noticed is their music videos are phenomenal too. I need to watch really some of beautiful. those. Yeah, there's not a video for this yeah. one. There's just a couple live performances. But uh, if anyone hasn't heard Russian, the song Russian Roulette, it is actually it's genuinely good. It's great pop, actually. I would say great pop. And there is a video for that one. Susanna was playing this a lot around the house, and I'm happy she did because I enjoyed it a great deal. Nice, great pet. Okay, it's the last one, you guys. Are you guys ready for this? Very ready. Ready. A summer place. A theme from a summer place. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Start over. Start over. (sighs) Keeping all that in. The theme from A Summer Place, which was a movie in, I think, 1959. And it was the top-selling single of 1960, hmm. won a Grammy. The composer of this, Percy Faith, also did the score for Casablanca. If you're a musical person, then you'll know about that. And I really don't have that much to say about it other than it's a mood and a vibe and it just if I was the main character in a film and it was summer this should be playing everywhere I go agree it very pretty I didn't know it had a name even it's just something I feel like everybody's heard let's spin in all these movies and if you you know I looked up the the list and again (laughs) another list but uh, it's in Animal House wow Batman where, you know, the Joker is attempting to seduce Vicky Vale. Ocean's Eleven in some restaurant scene. Bad Boys 2. Con Air. You know that scene where that guy's body falls out yeah, of the sky into yeah. the Volvo? It's... Smash corpse in a car. Police Squad, The Simpsons. It's just in everybody's head, I think, as a summer song. What's the face for? Well, it's just a really nice song. I don't know why they've used it in all of those movies about men doing sort of crashes and violence and stuff. Because it's a really pretty song. Yeah, it's great. I'm thinking it's great. Audrey Hepburn. There we are on Final Destination <laughs> 3. Smashing on the concrete. The only film from that list I'll accept is the original film and An Education from 2009. And Batman. And Batman, yeah. No. Batman. <laughs> Batman passes the test. But it's just pretty, and there is a version with it with lyrics, but the one that I like does not have any lyrics. It's just the instrumental. Uh, much like you, yeah, I didn't have much to write about, just that this is a, this is a, it's beautiful. Just really nice. Absolutely just stunning. Those little plucked violin strings that sort yeah. of bounce around and stuff, just really nice. Oh my God, in 1976, Faith released a disco version of the song called Summer Place. 76. Gonna have to give that a listen once we get off of here. Absolutely.
Well, I had a lot of fun today. Thanks for doing this again, ladies. Yeah, it was lovely. I like how different all of our... I mean, they couldn't have been more different, I feel like, all our songs. But still a good playlist. I feel like Ryan was really jacked up. Just really jacked up. Just doing up. cocaine and lifting weights. Paul was smooching someone in yeah, the moonlight. Yeah, romance, romance, romance for Paul. A lot of romance from me. I feel like, Annabelle, once again, your songs were ref- were about reflection and the pain of life. Correct. That's my that's my uh, brand. We should do our favorite love songs the next time we do this. <gasps> that's oh a great my god, idea. let's do a Valentine's Day one. Ryan turned yeah. in the boys are back in town three times <laughs> <laughs> on the love song up there. <laughs> and Susanna's Susanna's selections were were what do we call bright? No, nostalgic? No, whimsical. Whimsical. Whimsy. It's okay. You can stop. It's all right. Bright. Like I th- think bright is exactly the right word. Bright and very cheerful bright i'll take it uh thank you everybody for joining us on this summer song extravaganza uh we'll be back next episode with uh the usual rubbish but it won't cost much uh yeah i guess this is paul uh signing off enjoy every sandwich enjoy every sandwich bye you say bye thanks so much for having me guys have a good one see you later bye bye (laughs) bye an opinion about the album we discussed today contact us at at now hear this podcast on instagram at now hear this pod on twitter facebook.com slash now hear this podcast or email us at now hear this official at gmail.com see you next time you always have to bring him into it don't you paul mccartney i don't always have to i think they're frozen Every time. I think Paul is frozen. Does that mean they can't hear us either? I can hear you. Paul is definitely frozen. I can hear Paul's you. Paul's gone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can okay. hear you. Don't give up. You got the music in you. Hey, sorry, my internet booted me off. I'm here now. <laughs> it, it, I cut off in the middle of aroused Paul, and ready for a fight. You. Oh, okay. I can see his mouth moving, but I can't hear him. How about now? Yeah. Hey, you're back. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology that ACAST has developed for us. That's right. ACAST has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, Acast, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an Acast supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. <laughs> okay. All right, well, bye then. <laughs>